This is episode 7 of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. I'm excited to share the first episode I've recorded since our initial six we shared with you on launch day, and I'm sharing a conversation I had with my sweet friend Kimberly, who is professionally known as Casey Ireton. She's the author of two books, A Mama of Four Kids, and she is a fountain of wisdom about many things. In this episode, we talk about intentionally getting outside with our kids, which has always been a struggle for me until last summer when she and I spent many days together outdoors with our kids. It was the best summer of my life. At the end of this interview, I will share a bit more about Kimberly's books and a few things that helped me overcome the struggle to get outside with my little ones. I hope you enjoy this conversation. This show is supported by Adopt Together, the world's largest nonprofit crowdfunding platform for adoption. Adopt Together helps turn crowds into communities by providing a space for adoptive families to share their story and collect tax-deductible donations from their entire support network. In just five years, they have helped over 2,300 families raise more than $10 million to fund their adoptions. If you're considering adoption, go to adopttogether.org to check out some of their family profiles and hear Adopt Together CEO and founder, Hank Fortner, talk about how he uses the internet to build families. All right, I have Kimberly here with me. Kimberly, how are you? I'm well. Hi, Emily. So glad to have you on to talk about some exciting things today and would love to begin by having you introduce yourself and your family. Okay, well my name is Kimberly and I am married to Doug and we have four children. Jack is 13, Jane is 10, and I have six-year-old twins Luke and Ben. Awesome. Well, I'd love to begin talking about the essay that you shared on the Kindred Mom blog. Uh, I think it was about a month ago. Um, It was called Pooh Sticks at Piper's Creek, I believe. And you were sharing about an experience of um, an afternoon outside with your kids and some of the things that happened um, in that outdoor space. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about um, both that essay and your value for being outside a lot or trying to be outside a lot with your kids. Yes, let's put emphasis on the trying. (laughs) My my reach certainly exceeds my grasp in this area. Um, So... That actually, I actually wrote that essay a while ago um, when my kids were a little bit younger. So we, when we lived, we, when we lived in the city, and um, part of the reason why that's so important to me is that there are, there is nature in the city. For those, you know, for those of us who live in the city, we have access to green spaces. There are usually parks in cities, and um, there's certainly in Seattle lovely, lovely parks and very large ones as well. So, um, and this park happened to be this. Um, this to be a walking trail down to the beach and then up to a larger park in North Seattle. So, um, and I, I'm not particularly great at getting my kids out into unsullied nature and wilderness, partly because I live in an urban center. So it takes a bit of effort to get outside that urban center and out to places that would actually be considered wild. And most of what I have done as a, what I did as an urban mom, now I'm a suburban mom, um, we live in a suburb. 
So well, most of what I did was take my kids to parks and sometimes they were neighborhood parks so they weren't very big. Um, and sometimes they were really large parks like the, the park I described in Pustakes up Piper, Piper's Creek because I believe that it's just so important to get kids outside. And if the best you can do is to get them to the neighborhood park, that's awesome. <laughs> that is so much better than not getting them outside at all. And sometimes the best you can do is to get them outside in your own yard if you have one. And that's great too. So it's just, I just think it's super important for kids to spend time outside, regardless of what that looks like. And even if it doesn't look like the idyllic swallows in Amazon somewhere on a lake, um, that's okay. I, that's So that's, the, that's one of the reasons why I wrote that essay is just to give people permission to just go outside. It doesn't matter what that looks like in your particular setting. It's just important to be out there. Yeah, I found from my um, my earlier years as a mom with younger children that getting outside was a really, really big job for me. And I just didn't do it for a number of years because I couldn't really put together how do I, first of all, have all the supplies I need and coordinate with nap times and snack times and, you know, is everybody well and all the different things that had to line up perfectly for us to get outside. Um, plus, I just am more of a homebody and um, I really just like kind of the comforts and the, <laughs> the convenience of being at home, um, especially navigating earlier years with little ones. But last summer, you and I, um, this is one reason why we're talking about this, we um, intentionally had days out uh, with our kids throughout the summer. And we had planned nature walks where we would go and spend about a half an hour just encouraging our children to go and, I don't know, pick up flowers and bugs and different things that interested them. And then they would sit and sketch those different things in their nature journals. And then after that, we would often just spend several hours letting the kids play and explore while we would sit and chat. And it was the most life-giving summer that I've had to date, even with all my five, well, I guess I had six at that time, six kids and your four kids. We had a whole pile of kids with us. And yet we had this very relaxing, peaceful summer. And I think that that's one of the wonderful things about being outside is that even it, it, I will agree with you, it is a schlep. It's a nightmare getting out of the house to be outside because of all of the, the diaper bag and, you know, when they're little and you're packing snacks and you're packing this and you're packing that and you've got to make sure that, you know, in Seattle, you have to make sure they have rain gear for everybody, even if it's July. So, you know, it's just, it just, it's hard. I, I get it. Like it's totally hard, but once you get out, once you get past that, and that is daunting. So having somebody that you're going to meet to, is, it's like an accountability partner, right? Like, you know, somebody's going to be there on the other end and you don't want to disappoint them. And I think that's super helpful for getting out of the house because then you have somebody that you're going to meet. You have a reason for going, your kids are going to get to hang out with their friends, you know, and then and then you get all the benefits of being outside. And a lot of those benefits are just just breathing air and not having all of your stuff that you have at home calling to you all the time. Come do the dishes or come throw in a load of laundry or come do this or come do that. All of that is at home and you can be outside and you can actually be there wherever the air happens to be. And, um, and 
even in a city park, the the sight horizons are a lot longer than they are at home. Yeah. <laughs> so well, you just get that that long view. Um, your eyes can can go further than they can at home. For sure. And I think it's it is so nice to have uh, a friend meet you at the park or you know wherever it is that you go to spend time outside. Because I find that my kids, uh, when they were younger, and I didn't meet a friend at the park, they wanted me to push them on the swing the entire time, or you know I had to do the slides and had to do all these other things and I was just tired and loved my kids loved that they would want to spend time outside but when we went to the park I didn't want to be in everybody's business monitoring every activity now that's not always you know it's not always easy to do that if you have a really little one that absolutely needs to be attended, you know, for safety. But I think when they get to be three, four, five years old, there's a lot that they can do independently um, to just have, you know, imaginative time with their little friends or siblings. And um, so I think that was the discovery that I made last summer when we did all of these park days is that it was very restful and peaceful for me. And it was also exciting and um, peaceful for them. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. And I think that um, I mean, that's one of the benefits of having multiple children is that those little ones can go off with the bigger ones. Because when they are little, when they're when you have the, the older two, you know, you are the one who has to push them on the swing and you are the one who has to monitor them on the slide. Whereas when they get a little bit older, you know, some of them are old enough to go down the slide by themselves. But then you also have these older kids who could say, you know what, I'm trying to have a conversation with my friend. Would you be willing to take whoever to the slide for 15 minutes or go push so-and-so on the swing and having other other families I mean it just feels like those older kids naturally gravitate toward other people's younger siblings and are happy to take them and do whatever it is that they want to do with them it just seems like a natural um a natural thing that older kids do yeah so. it seems a little bit too like this is one way when we talk about how it takes a village to raise a child this is one way that a village can kind of come around you in a really non-threatening way. You know, it's just you're going to the park together. And um, but still, there's some something really lovely that happens during that time when you're investing in each other's families and really also in each other. I think we had conversations about all different kinds of things last summer that I would never have guessed that we would discuss, but it came about because we just had um, extended amounts of time together, which was really life-giving for me. Yes. And I think it's really life-giving for the kids to have extended periods of time outside. Charlotte Mason recommended six, at least six hours a day in summer and three hours a day in winter for kids to be outside. And I don't come anywhere near that. I'm just not like not even close. But what I love about that is just like the, the vision that, you know, this you've got this all all this space of time and you also have all this space the physical space that you're outside exploring and we don't know the I mean we don't know the half of how beneficial it is for kids to be outdoors more and more studies are coming out about the dangers of nature deficit disorder and all of that and I don't want to get into that but it is just so just the sheer fact of being outside breathing air that hasn't been pumped through a heater or a air conditioner, breathing that air and being with the trees and the green growing things and just getting to know them is super valuable for the, it's just valuable for their growing bodies and it's good for their 
minds. It's good for them as people and little people as they grow. It's just an incredibly important part of what makes us human is to be able to appreciate the natural world around us. And as we live more and more digital lives, that becomes increasingly important to be able to actually stop and notice a tree or a flower or a bug and um, and you know maybe even to know the names of some of them. That's an incredibly there's something very empowering about that to know what you're looking at. I was walking with a friend the other week and we just were, um, we're going for a walk in her neighborhood. And I said, Oh my gosh, this dogwood is amazing. And she said, that's a dogwood. I wondered what everybody was talking about when they talked about dogwoods. And so we looked at the tree and I showed her how she could tell that it was a dogwood. And, and then so all of a sudden she's like, they're everywhere. (laughs) Like, you know what it is. All of a sudden your eyes are opened. You have a name and then you see them all over the place. There's something and it just, it is like, it's this reinforcing cycle of, I know what that is. And now I know there's another one and another one and another one. And, you know, you just sort of see it everywhere. So I think that that's another piece of being outside is to make those connections between the child and the world around them. Yeah. I feel like that has really been a shift for me personally as well, even though I'm no longer a child, (laughs) but I think that there has been a long stretch of time in my life where I was dealing with basically crisis after crisis and heartache after hardship after emergency. And I myself just had a hard time noticing beauty in, you know, just the mundane places. And, um, you know, if somebody would say, do you want to take a walk in the neighborhood? I'd be like, why? <laughs> why would I want to take a walk in the neighborhood? And I had a neighbor who lived a couple of houses down from me for a couple of years. And she was um, a sweet grandma-like lady who was a sweet friend to me for the years that she was there. And she would constantly like say, let's go around the block, even just the block uh, that we live on, and would point out to the kids the succulents that were growing in someone's yard or the, you know, and it just this was something that as I was experiencing that with her, um, just really kind of impacted my heart in a new way where I was like, there are sweet, beautiful things, even on our very busy street in our very busy neighborhood. Um, and it has made me now more aware of things, um, not only like beautiful growing things, but also in relationships and seasons of life where I've begun to take notice of um, just small things that you would feel like maybe previously were inconsequential, but now are a much bigger deal to me because uh, I see what the meaning is in them. Right. And I think so as you were talking, there was a goldfinch that was perched up in my um, my Japanese maple outside the window. And I just really, as you were talking about, like she was saying, look at these succulents and look at this and look at that. There's something about the name, like being, cause when somebody points to something and tells you the name of it, it's sort of like an introduction. Like this is my friend, Susan or whatever. And so suddenly you're aware that that's not just this clump of spiky carbon matter it's actually a plant it actually has a name and you become familiar with it and so then when you see it again it's like meeting a friend and it becomes this self-perpetuating cycle of connection with the natural world mm-hmm. yeah i really love that i would also love to talk a little bit about um just not only the time that you guys spend outside but there are other ways that you personally and proactively guard your children's childhood um, from 
a lot of different things, and I would love for you to talk a little bit about some of those. Well, the probably the biggest one that um, is unusual is that we don't have a TV um, and we don't, we have screens. Of course, I'm a writer. I have a computer. I have a laptop. My husband works from home. He actually has two giant monitors in his office. So, but we don't have a family screen uh, in our home. So we do watch the occasional movie. I would say about once a month we watch a movie and um, we, it's a pain. We have to get my husband's monitors detached from his desk and then reattached to a stand and take them into a different room. And I mean, it's a, it's a production. It's like this whole family, let's all work together, get the sound system hooked up. I mean, it's like, it's a big deal. Um, But we do that on purpose because we don't want it to be easy. We want it when we do watch movies together, we want it to be a bit of a production. We make popcorn and it's kind of a big deal because we don't do it very often. Um, and they're part of the reason why, so that's that piece, but the reason why we chose to not have a screen as a family is partly because neither, when my husband and I got married, neither of us had a TV. We just didn't have one. So um, it wasn't like we were getting rid of something we already owned. We just didn't own one and we never purchased one. And then as, um, you know, as the data comes in about screens and children and the dangers of screens for very young children, um, it just, it just didn't ever, it wasn't something that we ever purchased. Um, and then part of it too, is that I'm, life is, there's just so there's only so much that you can do. And so we, I'm a avid reader and I love reading to my kids. So in lieu of screens and family screen time we have family reading time that's something that's really important to both my husband and me and increasingly important to our kids is getting to read together as a family and um yeah and so that's those are that's probably the biggest thing that makes um makes us a little different is that we just we don't have a lot of screen time the kids don't have access to screens very often Yeah. And so with the absence of screens, what have you seen in your children is um, present in in place of that? Because I've seen I I feel like your children in a really good way are different than a lot of other children that we know um, just for their ingenuity and creativity. And a lot of their hobbies are kind of outside the norm, but they're really wonderful. Can you talk about some of the things your kids do? while they're not watching TV? (laughs) Sure. Um, So Jack, my oldest, right now he's building a birch bark canoe in our yard. So um, he had a, I don't know where he got, he's interested in boats. He's actually built a boat before with his father and grandfather at the Center for Wooden Boats down in Seattle. And they did that, I think, three or four years ago as a family, as a, you know, father, son, grandfather, grandson bonding thing. And, um, and he's been taking sailing lessons since he was eight. My husband grew up sailing and wanted our kids to learn how to sail. So that's been part of that, but he's super interested in boats and boating and boat building. And I think for Christmas, his grandfather got him a book on boats and boat building, and he actually read it or read enough of it that he could, um, put together, start working on this birch bark canoe. So, and then he read another book that, it's a long story, but that he got from a friend of my husband's. Um, and so he read through that book and then he watched a few YouTube videos. So we do have screens. They do use screens. Um, we're not, we're not Luddites. Um, and so he watched a few YouTube videos about different aspects of building a birch bark canoe. And then he just got the birch bark and he's been building that thing in the yard for about 
five weeks now. Um, and it's, I mean, it looks like a canoe. It's pretty impressive. Um, we don't know if it's going to actually hold like hold water. And it's, we actually don't want it to hold water. We want it to float in the water. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> we'll get it down to the beach, whether it actually does that. But, um, but I almost like, I don't, I don't even care. I mean, he will be super disappointed if it doesn't, but I don't even care. Just the fact that he's spending all of this time and energy crafting this canoe out of ivy root and uh, cedar and I don't know what else and the birch bark and other things that he's using. He's carved paddles for that. And, um, and all, and all of this is using hand tools. He's not using any power tools. Yeah, to it do seems this. like such an amazing thing to have that intense focus as well as all of the skills that he's building to navigate the challenges of building something of that size. Yes, and it has been challenging. He has been very discouraged a number of times of things not going the way that he thought they should. So, but I think that that's part of the beauty of it is that you know he could give up and no one would fault him. I certainly wouldn't. But he want he has a vision for what he wants to to create. And he's willing to work through those disappointments and those discouragements and those frustrations to try and, you know, they work around them or work through them or figure out a different way to do it. And all of that, I think, is super valuable life training. Like all of us are going to face frustrations and difficulties and things are not going to go the way that we plan. And then we have to figure out what we're going to do in the face of that. And I just think as a 13 year old, for him to be able to do that in a way that is so um, safe in a space that is so, um, where it doesn't really matter if he chooses not to in terms of the outcome, but what is, what the kind of character that it's building in him, this, this perseverance and this willingness to work hard to achieve the vision that he has. So that's something, I mean, that's, he's my oldest, my little one, one of my, my younger two, Ben, he's super big into Legos. He builds the most crazy wild Lego creations and he doesn't use a book. He just kind of freeforms them. He gets this idea in his head or he looks at different parts. And he starts, starts building something. Um, Legos are a big thing in our house. Um, all of my kids have played with Legos and continue to play with Legos. Um, just, I think they're an incredibly creative, versatile toy. And so we have a lot of them, which also drives me crazy because I'm always picking them up. <laughs> Or sweeping them up or vacuuming them up. So, you know, I think there is every that parent who has Legos in their house knows exactly what you're saying right now. <laughs> Sometimes I want to pitch the whole bin, but I don't because I have a long view. Yeah, well, I, um, I just appreciate that partly because my family is very different. We do have a lot of screens and I would say um, just because my husband works in the tech industry and from the beginning of our parenting journey, um, screens have been a much more um, central part of our family and how we connect. We watch movies much more often than you do and different. um, There are things that are for sure different about our family systems, but it's really nice to just see a different perspective so that as different seasons of our family life come and go that I just have um, kind of a a look into another way of doing things because um, I feel like at least for my family and I would say it seems kind of common for other families to just get stuck in a default like if I need my kids to be occupied then the TV goes on which is what they're doing right this minute as we record (laughs) this podcast Um, but you know that that shouldn't necessarily always be the answer. Like, it's fine, and I, I have no judgment of people who use screens for whatever they need to in their parenting journey. But um, just spending time with you and the time that we did last summer outdoors um, has really given me uh, a new insight into what would really um, 
I don't know, enrich my family. And uh, because of that, we as a family have been more intentional about spending time outside together. I want to say one more thing about the screens thing is that I'm a, I am easily overwhelmed by sensory input. So having four children, it's already a lot of sensory input. So having like, I don't listen to, I don't even listen to music in the house very often. We haven't, my husband loves music. And so we have a nice stereo system, but um, I don't actually turn it on very often because I just find it is it's additional sensory stimulation that, um, that I, and I just don't process that very well. And after a while I start to get fairly I get jittery pretty quickly um and it just I don't know I don't know if it raises my blood pressure but it certainly raises my stress level so um so I just I that's that's part of my personality is that I just don't like having ambient extra noise going on if I can possibly help it I'm always turning turning things off and trying to clear clutter out of my visual field and all of that so that's partly it's partly a personality temperament thing my choice to not have screens um, be an active part of our lives is it's just because I find it overwhelming to have that much visual auditory stimulus um, happening very frequently. Yeah, it, <laughs> so. I think what I've learned from you is I just love that there is an intention and a deliberate choice to choose what it is you choose, whether that is you land a little bit more on utilizing technology and having screens in the home or where you're at, where you're intentionally trying to clear that space because you know that is what's healthy for you and your family. And it's really nice to just see a different way of doing things. Um, I just have appreciated that look into your life. I think that word intentional is a really good one because so often we do just default to what is familiar and, um, and I mean, I do it too in so many different ways and areas of my life, but I think that being intentional, um, and that's, I think, yeah, I think that that's a, that's a really great word intentional so because it means that you've thought about it and you're doing this on purpose. Well, Kimberly, I really appreciate your thoughts about this and I appreciate your friendship and the ways that you have invested little ideas of um, just the goodness of being outdoors and we didn't even get a chance to talk about it this time but your love for books has also really um, been a, a beautiful thing for me to just learn about because books are are not as familiar or easy for me I don't even know what to read most of the time but I just have loved um, the time that we've had getting to know each other over the last few years and the time outdoors and just the perspective that you have about um, childhood being something that we get to as mamas um, just intentionally choose what we put before our children as far as what they engage with, mm -hmm. being nature, being books, being um, any other things that we, we choose for them. So thank you. Thanks, Emily. It's all of everything that you just said. I just want to echo yes back to you because it's all very mutual. It's not, we're none of us isolated, right? We're all constantly feeding into one another and drawing things out of one another. And it becomes this beautiful symbiosis that, um, that allows us to both feed and be fed. Mm. Yes. Well, such a great, such a great conversation. And thanks for giving us a perspective about what we might choose um, from time to time for our families and, and just exploring the outdoors. Thanks, Emily. It was lovely to be here. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kimberly. Her original essay was titled Poo Sticks at Piper's Creek, which ran in April on Kindred Mom. 
and towards the bottom of that essay, she shares a list of books that have helped inspire her vision for the out-of-door life for her family. It's a really great list for you to check out. She's also the author of two books that are really wonderful. One is titled The Circle of Seasons, Meeting God in the Church Year, and the other is called Cracking Up, A Postpartum Faith Crisis. I think there are several different ideas that stuck out to me in this interview. One, I love the idea that we have so much influence over the culture of our home. In my family, we love technology, and as a result, my kids are adept at a number of things that I'm really grateful for. We choose that intentionally, and I'm comfortable with the role that it plays in our home. But I'm also really grateful for the example of Kimberly's family to help me remember that making intentional choices about how we spend our time together is really important. Before last summer, our time outside was often just an hour here or there at the park, mostly because I felt like we should, not because I saw the real benefits of it. To share a little more about last summer, honestly, I had no idea that I could be outdoors for sometimes four or five hours with six kids and it would be described as peaceful. I tend to be on the more anxious side and the idea of trying to keep an eye on that many kids at the park or the beach stressed me out until I figured out how to make it work for me. On Kindred Mom this week, I'm sharing an entry I wrote on my personal blog at the end of last summer that captures what a lovely and restorative summer it was for me. I'm also adding some links to a number of the items that I've pulled together in what I'm calling a summer survival kit for moms. Each thing I've listed there is something that I have found to be incredibly useful in my quest to spend more extended time outside with my kids. Maybe that list will be just what you need, or maybe it will give you ideas about what you might want to add to your own summer survival kit to make these months enjoyable for everyone in your family. I wanted to say, summer can be about exploration and imagination, and it can also be a little bit about boredom too. You don't have to entertain your kids every minute of every day. Sure, you have to keep them out of trouble, and it might take some planning to figure out how to do that, but kids who have time and space to create their own fun usually figure out how to do that. I'd love to invite you over to our private Kindred Mom Facebook group. I'm hoping that we can start a conversation there about ideas that you can offer your own thoughts about how to beat the summer heat with your little ones. I hope you've been thinking about our invitation to begin a summer connection group in your area. You can meet in your backyard, or you can meet with other mamas at the park, or the zoo, or really anything that you were already planning to do with your kids. Invite a friend along. My family will be doing more nature walk days like the ones we discussed in this episode, and you can bet I'm aiming for a repeat of the joy and rest we found last summer. I'd like to share a closing prayer offered by Kindred Mama Lindsay Cornett. Lindsay writes a monthly newsletter with a friend called The Drafting Desk. They explore ways that perfectionists can take hold of more freedom, joy, and grace. She prays, Mamas, each time we step outside with our children, may we recognize the opportunity to experience wonder and adventure with them in wide open spaces. May we be less concerned with bug bites and dirty fingernails, and may we allow the summer sun to warm our cheeks and our hearts. We hope you have a great week.